The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell. That's right. This is a special NFL Thanksgiving pod. Three games. And listen, no way we're leaving you guys hanging on those three games. Special pod. This reminds you subscribe. If you're not subscribed, There's at least 10 special pods a year. Don't miss those. Subscribe on your favorite pod player. We're doing something a little different. We just taped our college football pod, which will be up also in the feed. And Ken Thompson's sticking around, rare NFL, but he's got his radio show, so he's got to leave like in 12 minutes. So we are going to start this pod going through all three games just for Ken. We'll double back for Fez and Brad Powers and... Me, R.J. Bell. Let's do it. Showtime! Woo! I can. We're going to go in rotation order. Lions, Bears. Right now, Bears favored by three and a half. Who do you like? I'm going to take the Bears, and I'm going to go against the grain like I did on Sunday night. Look, it's a spot. Is that a hint that you won on Sunday night? That is. I, I, I stayed true. Yeah, I stayed true, and I, I know everybody that I respected was on Minnesota. So I uh, was fortunate there. But here's the thing with the Bears: even though it's a short week and they are the road team, and it's Thanksgiving, how many times have we seen Detroit? If we bet on them, ruin our Thanksgiving early on. So it's a Detroit team right now that's missing the heart and soul of that offense. And I believe Carryon Johnson misses his game without him to break things up, running the ball, and Marvin Jones Jr. a little bit banged up. I think that just too much pressure going to be put on. Uh, you know the, the quarterback there and 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 they're going to struggle there's no doubt that Stafford as good as he is at times without carry on Johnson's going to have to rely on LeGarrette Blunt and LeGarrette Blunt's just not in every down back so Galladay's going to have to have a big game so is Riddick but I like Chicago I like the pressure that uh the, the defense gets there Khalil Max made a big big difference and Hicks up the middle I mean these two guys are fantastic got enough offensive weapons with Howard and Cohen and Gabriel all these guys and uh, Anthony Miller's really stepped up the last couple of weeks I think Chicago they're going to take it Nagy's done a great job and they're going to win this game by a touchdown or more I'll tell you this Fez we've been talking about this is football outsiders has been all over Chicago fairly early a lot of skepticism with the wise guys but you look at the numbers here and I'm just pulling them up Chicago's offense 10th best and their pass offense seventh, their rush offense is the Bears ninth. So how is seven and nine good to ten? Hey, advanced metrics there, baby. But I, I think that Ken is one of those no not he doesn't get caught up in the echo chamber of Vegas. He's just seen a mighty good team. And we keep wanting to fade him, kind of like you and Notre Dame. Oh, did Fez get killed? If you haven't listened to the college dream, Fez got crushed on Notre Dame. Anyway, he he's smiling, thinking he's gonna be all right. We'll see. But it feels like the Bears are like that, right? Is everyone skeptical except they keep putting up wins and they keep, and I've been skeptical too. Yeah. And part of it might be they basically had played one premier game that everybody watched against New England. That's their only game they'd played against a But that was the game you kept saying they should have won. Yeah. And they didn't. And exactly. But games, that's the whole thing. Phony finals are supposed to give value to it. Same thing on the opening game of the year, the Monday night game against Green Bay. Phony final should have won that game. Next game, and again, we're going to double back for the rest of us. Redskins, Cowboys, Skins, 
Seven and a half point dogs at Dallas. Dallas favored by over a touchdown. Ken. Yeah, and I lean towards uh, Washington initially. Colt McCoy played his college ball, of course, there at Texas. So still a, a local son there in the Lone Star State. But again, this Washington offense, to me, just struggling. And I like the way Dallas' defense is playing. Uh, Prescott, despite being sacked 30-some-odd times, I mean, it's uh, it's tough to watch sometimes. But I think they're simplifying things. Hand off to Zeke. Zeke out of the backfield. Little uh, flare passes. Now, they're going to miss Jeff Swain, their tight end, uh, which he doesn't get the ball that much like normal tight ends for Dallas in years past, Witten and the guys. But uh, it's a game that I'm going to look to go under. Under the total, I just feel like Dallas probably wins this game somewhere between, I don't know, four and 10 points. And, uh, you know, just going to go with the under 40 and a half is what I saw down from 41. So I took under 40 and a half. I tell you this, this is uh, one of the things I'm striving to improve on is matchups. And I actually think Dallas is going to be able to run the ball because Washington's defense, 21st DVOA. All right. So a little below average. But if you actually look at the splits, They're 17th, the skins are against the pass, 28th against the run. Now you look at Dallas, Dallas on offense, 28th passing, 11th, 11 running. So, boy, if you're taking, it's ironic to say, oh, well, maybe that makes you like Washington. It makes me like the under here. Because if Dallas can be conservative, they're going to be conservative. And we know Washington, even with... Alex Smith couldn't score, Fez. So now the idea that they're going to score with a backup quarterback. And and so as Dallas is able to control the game and Washington can't score, I mean, obviously it looks under. So what's your gut? I mean, we'll double them back. What's your gut feeling on the, the total here? I'd lean that way 40 and a half so low. I think I'd rather just play Zeke Elliott to get a, over 93 rush yards. Mm, that's it. And that's your guess on what the number would be. Yes. All right, final game on Thursday from Ken. We're getting overtime from Kenny. Or as Brad would say, KT, Saints, Falcons, huh, 13. Saints favored by 13. All right, I'm going to take New Orleans, and I know it's a divisional game. It's a lot of points to give a team that has Matt Ryan there at the helm, completing 71% of his passes, 22 touchdowns, four interceptions. But this team is settling for field goals. Now, they haven't missed one. They're 18 for 18. But at the end of the day, field goals don't work against New Orleans. And when you see the level that New Orleans is playing, what they did to Philadelphia, no fluke. And I'm telling you, they saw that Rams-KC game. They feel like they're not in the shadow right now. They're, they're, they're there. They're being overshadowed, I should say, by KC and the Rams because of that 54-51 game. They're going to say, you know what? We've got our primetime chance at home. We're just going to put up a 48 spot on Atlanta, and the Falcons probably put up their 20, 24 points, and I think Saints going to roll. I stayed away from the total. I just like the Saints to win this game by double digits. I think this team just can't help but scoring. Again, both are dome teams, but the way that Breeze is completing all these passes, and he's got the weapons. Matt Ryan doesn't have him. He's got Julio Jones and Ridley, Sanu, but still not nothing comparing out of the backfield because he's got Tevin Coleman and Ito Smith against Kamara and Ingram. No matchup there. Taysom Hill, the X factor. Of course, this guy could do anything. He's the Jose Okendu of pro football. And that's a utility player that played for the Cardinals, played all nine positions. So uh, that's the Taysom Hill. And I just love this New Orleans Saints team right now. And they're on the roll and they're number one in Fezzik's power rankings for a reason. Laying the lumber, Ken Thompson. This guy does 10 hours of local Vegas radio, 50,000 watts overnight. It reaches 39 states. Is that right, Ken? <laughs> it increases every week right here on the podcast. I love it, RJ. But 
this guy knows his sports, you know, at least when it comes to that, the perspective of like what happened three years ago, who's the backup center, as well as anyone better than me, for sure. Sports X Radio, thank you, Ken. RJ, you thank go. you so much. Appreciate you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. All right. So, and he's a star of the college pod. By the way, winning, you want to talk about a tough college pod, who's going to win the best bets? Fez is seven and four. It's like, well, probably winning. Nah. Brad Power says, I'm nine and three, nine and three. And he's not afraid to tell you. And then Ken says, nah, 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 hold my beer. Eight and two. These three guys on the college pod, 24 and nine in front of the world. Three picks up this week. Don't miss it. Guys, let's go in reverse order and stay with the Saints game. Fez, you're passing. Interesting. Brad, you lean to Atlanta. Yeah, to me, it becomes, it's very tough for the Saints. Obviously, nine straight wins for them, eight straight covers, something we only see, RJ, you uncovered this once, you know, less than once a year out of any team in the NFL. Once, less than once a season do we see a team rattle off eight straight covers in a season. I just think it's starting to get to the point where the Saints are maybe a little overpriced playing 13 against the Falcons. And it's funny because you would think the old contrarian NFL that we'd be thinking, oh, that that long ATS win streak's a sign that we should be betting on, you know, fading the Saints. But really, I, I the history, and again, it's a small history, says no, they're actually a little above, and I'm going to pull it up as we're talking, they're a little bit above 500 teams. I think at a certain point, when you're winning that much, it's a sign the market just hasn't caught up oh, to you yet. Strong point. So, and remember, ATS wins count, but it's the straight, and again, they're winning straight up too. So, Fez, what's your take on that? Oh, you got to pass. What was your thinking? Yeah, my thinking here, you have a perfect storm potentially on a line move that might come on the Saints. And let's look at this game. So, you you nailed it. Ain't no straight up. Ain't no against the spread for the Saints. So, if the public is going to be betting the Saints, I don't think the pros are going to be so interested in betting Atlanta. And also, when is this game? It's Thanksgiving night at 530. Even the pros, RJ, most of them, they stop working on Thanksgiving. They might do the first game. They might move it. They might make some bets up to halftime of the second game. But I've seen this pattern. These favorites go crazy sometimes on Thanksgiving night when they're a team that's a public team like the Saints. If you like Atlanta, it would not surprise me at all if you're not catching 14 on that game with the pros AWOL the last couple hours Thanksgiving night. Now, let's think about what you're saying here. This is like third level. This isn't second level. You're saying the pro batters, they're saying, I'm done. One game left. Time to eat some turkey. The pro betters act as a governor on favorites running. Why? Because if the if the public money's pouring in and the line goes from, let's say in this case, 13, 13 and a half, maybe up to that key number 14, they're going to stop at 13 and a half maybe or maybe at 14 and say, no, we're grabbing the dog. You're saying they're eating turkey. And the people working for them are eating turkey. They, they're not going to be very eager to like go on over to some of these places and these other casinos and put down bets for somebody because they're on vacation on holiday. You're talking about here locally, the runners. Yes. Okay. So because of that, what you're saying is there isn't the guy. It's almost like the, the, the adults aren't in the room. The adults are asleep and now the kids are running wild and the kids in this analogy are the public bet in the favor. Exactly. So this happens, oh, maybe a dozen times a year. It happens like in some London games at 6.30 a.m. Same thing. There's no one to bet back at that time. And certainly holidays, 
New Year's, and the like, the last game, no one left to play back. I got to tell you, that is about, what do you think of that, Brad? Love it. And it also makes sense. I was hearing on a much smaller network than our own that it actually gets busy in the sports book for that late game because the public eats turkey early. They're eating turkey during the Lions game and the Cowboys game. What do they do afterwards to go to the sports book to bet? Who are they going to bet? The big favorite. That's good stuff. So here's the numbers. Teams that have won eight or more against the spread, so covered eight or more straight, are nine, nine, and one against the spread last 30 years, 12 and seven straight up. So break even, small sample. And if you look at eight exactly, six, five, and one ATS. So 54, almost 55. Now, so small sample. <laughs> and, and again, this is so small, doesn't mean much. But boy, it certainly isn't going in that direction that all oh, look how overrated. I am going to like, which means you can press the green button. And this is going to shock you guys, the over. Now, here's why. What is something we've been, and I've been tweeting about a good bit, and with all these high totals, I will be tweeting out the history, I think guides us in a way. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. And here's one. There's been, before this game, 15 totals of 58 or higher in the last 30 years, 12 and three over, 12 overs, three unders. Now, what's the rationale? It's one of those two plus two equals five. The idea that both teams are playing so fast and it's often not about how efficient the offense is. It's the pace. It's efficient offense. Yeah, but so fast. If both teams are playing so fast, no one's letting the clock run. And Fez, we had this conversation on Straight Out of Vegas. The over-under for number of possessions Monday night that would have went without a score was like 14, you were saying, if you would have made the number. Yeah, if I without a score, if I would have made a number, I would have made it much less than 14. I would have made it probably about 9 or 10. Oh, okay. But I thought you said if we added in without a score was interceptions and punts that I thought you said the number one typical game or, or turnovers. On, and okay. But in this, but on that, because a typical game has about nine punts and about three and a half turnovers. But for this game, the punts number was six and a half. The Rams okay. game. Yeah. All right. So they ended up having seven punts and a bunch of turnovers. So even against an average, yeah, that's right. I, I, this is even more impressive. Even against an average game expectation, there was more unsuccessful drives in this game. 14 failed drives. 14 failed drives, which is more than you would expect in even an average game. Yes. So, But it was the third highest scoring game of the Super Bowl era or something, right? The highest scoring. Why? Because of how many possessions they had. And to me, both of these teams obviously fall into that concept. So, yeah, it's a monster number. I know I'm with Freddie Fanny Pack on this one, which causes me pause. And I'm not even sure I'd bet this by myself. I, I would just bet it in no vig, though, which is a different story here. That's why I can like it. But here's the key. We know the Saints are going to score. I mean, Drew Brees is having one of the great seasons in the history of the NFL. But let's think about Atlanta. Atlanta's DVOA passing is fifth. Rushing is 24th. Okay. The Saints against the pass defensively, 28th. Against the run, the Saints, third. 
third. The Saints are the third best rush defense. What do you think Atlanta's going to do? They're going to throw, and they're going to be going to throw effectively. And they're going to be down 12, so they're going to have to throw, and they're starting running back Freeman's out for the year, so they don't want to run the ball all the time. I think that we got a great, and remember, Atlanta's got the worst defense in the NFL. It's 29th against the pass, 31st against the run. So Breeze is going to put up a monster, but the question is, can Atlanta not necessarily match, but can they stay in the game and against the 28th best pass defense with the Saints? So I think matchup-wise, and Mackey did a good job putting together. We might be putting this out next week, putting together a little DVOA, and it shows the different matchups, pass run against the opponent. The mayor did a good job here. I think, Fez, I mean, if I tell you, I mean, if I say Atlanta has the fifth-best pass offense and the Saints are 28th against the pass, Probably a pretty good idea that, that Atlanta's going to be able to throw pretty effectively, right? They should get points. Yep. <laughs> that, yes, they no, can throw any effectively. Other, any other info you might want to add? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, yeah, the, the, the Saints may, D may well be a little bit um, overconfident after shutting down Philadelphia. I refuse to believe that that Saint D is anywhere but an average defense. At best, it's below average. I really think it's a below average defense. So, Brad, I like the... Over the the monster number here, I think sixty. We saying, and Fez, you're passing. What do you like? Oh, I lean on, on the Atlanta side, and, and already given the handicap on the Saints. Remember, I was you talking did? about. I yeah. guess we're all a little punch drunk. Yeah. It's been a long day, yeah. baby. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> what was your handicap? I was talking about the Saints being maybe possible. It wasn't memorable. It wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> they won. It's starting to be a little overpriced, and that's why you're looking oh, at Oh, okay, yeah. okay. But I tell you, the fact you always take huge underdogs is probably a sign that you really don't like Atlanta. That is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Redskins, Cowboys. <laughs> Ken already told us his thoughts. I remember that. You like the under. Fez, you've got a teaser here. Yeah, I think both teams are overrated here. I've got the Redskins, my current number 28 team. Think about this, RJ. I've got a 6-4 and four team, and they're one of the five worst teams, in my opinion, in the NFL right now. An O-line that has absolutely been decimated with injury, and now Colt McCoy takes over at quarterback. They lost their number one wide receiver, Richardson. I don't see how these, Washington's going to score. But Dallas, I also have as being overrated because of their strength of schedule. They're five and five. They have not played one team currently in my top eight teams in the NFL. But with that low total and a seven and a half point favorite, I'm more confident that there'll be less variance in this game. I think Dallas will win this game by three, seven, 10, 14. I like the teaser on Dallas. I'm going to tease it with uh, the Indianapolis Colts playing Miami. So, I know if you're teasing up, you want low-scoring games because points are more valuable and if you're getting dog points. So in this case, does it still hold that, hey, points are more valuable? That's interesting. So you'd still prefer, like, you'd prefer to tease down from seven. I've never thought of this. From seven and a half to one and a half in a game that uh, had a total of 40 much more than a total of 55. Right, just because the incidents around the means, all those numbers are more likely to hit the smaller, the total seven, four, three. So just the numbers ten. are just more valuable. Just the key numbers are valuable even more, but all numbers are more valuable. All, all the numbers close to the mean are more valuable. Yes. 
as you move away, it becomes less likely that Dallas wins by 20. Yeah, but any teaser is going to be around the mean being the spread. Right. Right. Yeah. So the middle of the bell curve, as they would say, no, no, it's, no a, relation. it's a big bell curve in the middle. <laughs> no relation. All right. But if it's big, it's not a bell curve. All right. At least I, I forgot Brad did a handicap, but at least I had that one. <laughs> All right. So, Brad, did you handicap this game? I did. I like Washington. I mean, but did you do it here and I forgot? No. No, go I ahead. did not. I like Washington <laughs> here. And, and to me, I, the Cowboys kind of remind me of Notre Dame and college football when everyone throws them in the trash. You, usually there's value on the Cowboys. What happened a few weeks ago? Jason Garrett, is he going to be the quarterback? Is Dak Prescott the future? Dallas goes out, pulls a couple of outright upsets. So now what's the narrative of the Cowboys? The narrative is everyone's patting them on the backs. In fact, Dallas is now the division favorites. To me, I want to sell Dallas when they're getting talked up in the media and as far as the narrative here. I don't know if it's necessarily deserved. Do you even agree, Fez? Dallas is generally overrated. And I certainly don't want to lay more than a touchdown with a low total with the Dallas team. Traditionally, not good laying more than seven, 13 and 22 against the spread last 45 times. They've been laying more than a touchdown. Give me the Redskins. So you like the skins here. And again, taking points, just like teasers, points are more valuable. So underdog points are more valuable. Fez, the Redskins, we talked about this on straight out of Vegas, if I remember. We might have here. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me is they haven't scored very much recently since the O-line got decimated, but they've played horrible defenses. Yeah. In particular, they played Atlanta and Tampa Bay. Now football outsiders ranks those two teams. The last I looked 32nd and 31st in the NFL, the two worst defenses and the Redskins were not able to score 17 points against either one of them. That does not bode well for their chances to get 17 against Dallas. And so if they score only 14, obviously Dallas would be the preferred side to bet. Yeah. So to me, the skins team, if you just think of the over under for their points, the team total, it just feels like, is that maybe the best bet? If that is, is just under on the team total, like we don't know for the skins because we, because let's do the math, right? So what's the total? 40 and a half. So 16 and a half to 23 and a half. Okay. 24. So, I mean, is there a chance there's a 17 out there on Washington? That's a juicy number. If you could get that 17 and you know, that what may well happen because it's Thanksgiving and a lot of the sports books put up extra product that don't typically put up team totals. You might see them round up 16 and a half up to a 17. And so you would like under 17. I would. Because I think with, I think Dallas, and you just said it by teasing it, you're pretty much saying that I think Dallas is going to win and dominate or not dominate, but control the game. But you're just worried about margin because points are so valuable. And in this case, we can forget about how what kind of pace Dallas plays at, we could just worry about, hey, their defense is probably going to stop the Redskins. Yeah, and Colt McCoy will be starting for the Redskins. Alex Smith with the horrendous injury. I've got that as a two-and-a-half-point downgrade to the Washington Redskins. But they weren't scoring with Alex Smith. Yeah, I had it as a bigger adjustment earlier. I wonder, yeah, I just wonder how much of your skepticism, pessimism about, or underrating perhaps in my mind of Alex Smith had to do with he's been playing behind this bad O line. Could well be. Maybe no one. Any closing thoughts on this game? Okay, finally, we got Bears Lions. Fez, we were playing wrong about the Bears. Let's let's get into that. Remember, Ken liked the Bears here. It's three and a half. Football Outsiders was on top of the Bears. We've been behind. 
What type of reevaluation have you done? Yeah, I upgraded Chicago. I've got them currently my number seven team. So they're behind basically all the premium teams in the NFL and the Chargers are number six. So I moved them ahead of the Vikings. They had been unproven in my eyes because they had not beaten a good team. And I think the fact that not only did they win against Minnesota, but they really dominated most of that game has opened my eyes to the fact that, boy, you know, that Bears defense and their playmakers, I still am not a big believer in Trubisky, but the rest of the team certainly looks to have the feel of a top, um, almost a contending, I'll say a contending team. I don't think with Trubisky they can contend for a title. So where do you got them in the power rankings? Number again? seven. So who who's eighth? Minnesota. And who's sixth? Chargers. Boy, you like the Chargers better than the Bears. Yeah, the Chargers I still have better. What what was your excuse to? I mean, you had you liked the Chargers and they lost to the Broncos at home. If you went back and watched the game, oh. it's, it's one of those RJ where it's like everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Uh, a funny thing happened with the Chargers were rolling to a twenty point win. What what was all the things that happened? Uh, they're minus they're minus two in turnovers. At minus two, huh? And they had I think a thirteen point lead. Late Rivers was one of the turnovers. And even at the end of the game, I had a teaser on the Chargers as well. Mm. And if you, you wouldn't have believed it, with under two minutes to go, Philip Rivers spiked the ball on a third down play, and that cost them the game because that put an extra forty seconds on the clock. Never seen anything like it. Jazzing, baby. <laughs> so would you bet it again? Chargers lane seven against Denver? Yeah, I would have. So do you think the fact that the Chargers seem to make boneheaded mistakes game pretty much every game, could you maybe have predicted that? I mean, it's like you're like some guy in the fantasy going, I that guy has an all pro next to his tops card. He's got to be really good. It's like there's a reason the Chargers stats are always good and they never seem to win. Yeah, you know, and what's interesting is Football Outsiders has the Chargers rated through the roof as well. And I don't wonder if they're taking I don't think this. they're in how can you with numbers you can't take intangibles? It would right. seem like that. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the Chargers have won more games or less games than their talent this year? So they've under have the Chargers underperformed slightly. And how about last year? Greatly. And how about the year before? Greatly. Hmm. I see a trend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let me. I'll just say it like this: We won a game yesterday. We win one today. That's two in a row. We win one tomorrow. That's called a winning streak. This is a slightly different kind of streak, <laughs> but I I sense a streak here. Hi, Fez. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this game? Yeah, there's actually a lot going on in this game. So we talked about Trubisky, and I'm not that much of a believer in him. Well, I don't even know if he's going to start. So he's 50-50 currently to start. So the Chicago's laying four against Detroit. And so this has been pulled off the board, RJ. The the one place I saw that put it back up has the Bears as it. So we're taping early here Tuesday evening in Vegas. Right. So I saw it go back up Bears minus three, minus $1.20, which makes sense to me because I have Chase Daniel, the backup quarterback, being a two-point downgrade. So if it's 50-50, whether Trubisky goes, then you could make the case that with Chase Daniel, the Bears are going to be a modest two-point favorite. And I think they're splitting the difference, the book that has this up, and putting them at minus three on the spread. Okay. So what, what do you think the line would be with Trubisky? And what's his injury? He's got a sore shoulder, so he's in pain. Okay, so what do you think the line would be with him and without him? 
With him, minus four. Without him, I think it'll be minus two and a half. And your upgrade, downgrade, or your your downgrade to the backup is Chase Daniel, two point downgrade. But we move through what? the we move Chase through the three. two points. Chase Daniel, like he knows this whole Kansas City Nagy system. He was great in preseason. I, I'm I'm a he's one of the best backup quarterbacks. Ooh. All right, Fez. You, listen, I I haven't won two super contests. By the way, we went four and one last week. Yes. You no, went for it. A couple. The importance of three. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what happens for everyone listening. Every Friday night, typically, RJ Bell is given. Matty Holt gives his selections. I give my selections. I give leans. Matty gives leans. We veto some plays, and RJ puts the whole Jumanji together in front of him. <laughs> and then basically, he, he rolls up his sleeves and reaches into an urn with white marbles and black marbles. And he has pulled out, I believe, what, 64? Four percent white marbles year to date. You know, I got to tell you, the fact that our fourth and fifth picks are better than our best bats, I'll say a lot of luck there, and you know, maybe some other stuff. <laughs> I'm feeling good though. But you know, the two guys or the two people that were leading went three and two, so we only picked up one game. Boy, I, I to me, I'm not even going to worry about that. I just want to, if we can hit sixty six percent, five games a week, seventeen weeks. That's all. We, we got to let the chips fall where they may at that point. It's kind of like Tiger Woods. It's just, I'm going to shoot four under here on the next seven holes, and I'm not even going to look at the scoreboard. But really looking at this, I mean, we don't even know what the lines are yet, but I mean, it doesn't, it looks like we're going to wait, huh? Yeah. And major injury. I mean, court. I would, I mean, like right now at the current line, let's say Bears are three and a half. What would be, if you had to pick one side, Fez, what would it be? Detroit. Oh, I don't want any piece of them. I don't want any piece either. So that, so I've got Thanksgiving morning off. Yeah, what, I think so. It's what you're saying. The, I, um, you know, one key injury with Detroit, this carry on Johnson, we talked about in the college dream pod. He was a stud for Auburn. What's wrong with Auburn? Well, part of it is he's no longer there. He's been averaging five and a half yards per carry, carrying what has been a completely absent Detroit ground game for years to respectability, a lot of hundred yard rushing games. His backup, Blount is a guy that's about to retire. Journeyman running back. He's averaging, I believe, 2.3. So an enormous um, downgrade at running back for Detroit. And if you look at DVOA again, Detroit's offense, 22nd passing. So passing offense, 22nd. Rushing offense, 21st. So having a viable runner has helped. How bad? I mean, Stafford's supposed to be some, some would say worth 10 plus points. We all thought that was crazy, <laughs> but it is, <laughs> is the idea that you've had a difference maker at running back and you're still only the 22nd best passing offense. What happens against the best? defense in the NFL and that pass rush. Remember Detroit's getting sacked like crazy lately and the bears with Mac are monsters. And I'll tell you this, I really strongly believe that Detroit, I don't I, I'm skeptical of their coach midterm and long-term, but I know he's at the point now after the Golden Tate trade, especially we're going to do things for culture. If you don't like it, fine we're going to weed out we're going to we're going to weed out the problems and to me that means you don't care so i mean you're pl- going to play hard but if you got a, an approach to this game that increases your chance to win let's say 
five percentage points from 35 to 40%, whatever, but you think it's going to hurt your culture midterm. I think lines are going to accept the lesser chance to win when your interest is culture right now. And when I say that, I mean, Oh, this guy looked like he wasn't playing hard. We're going to sit him the rest of the half kind of decisions. The kind of thing a team wouldn't make if they're maxing the chance to win those kind of decisions here. It feels like he's going to do that. And you can sense there's going to be a division within the team that seems to have big negatives. And Detroit's been underperforming. Yeah, it's a good point. Patricia needs to win next year to keep his job, not this year. So he's looking. And I'm not even term. sure that soon, right? I mean, if he goes yeah. seven and nine next year, you think he's going to get fired in year two? No. All right, boys. It was a bonus. It was ram shackle, might be the right word for it. It was a long day. We will be back. And remember, Subscribe, right? College football this week, Friday through Saturday, and NFL, which is Sunday and Monday, where we'll have our three best bets, Matty Holt, back with us. And as we said, only one losing week. One, all others not losing. Yes. One question for you. Thursday games, we always look to fade the road team. Do you think it's a factor that the Bears just won this big game Sunday night and now they got a wheel back Thanksgiving Day, 9.30 a.m.? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, to me, I think teams that are used to this, like doubt. Now, now every team is playing on Thursday, but these organizations have done it for so long. I, I tended before the the number of Thursday games we now have, right? Is it every team do they play on Thursday now? I think it is. Yeah, because when you count Thanksgiving, so to me, I'm not sure if that advantage of the Thursday teams every Thanksgiving, Detroit and Dallas specifically, has dissipated or not. But you're right, the early start on the road, obviously not a ton of travel in division, which is another thing that kind of mitigates the short rest, but certainly a disadvantage. I mean, if you told me play every home team or play every road team, force bat, I'm certainly playing every home team on Thursday. All right, guys, that's Fezzik. Brad Powers joining us. College knowledge and NFL as you've seen. I'm RJ Bell. Talk to you on the other pods. Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday. NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. Live the dream with us each week.